Due to explicit content and language, listener's discretion is advised. We got the professor and ill will. We'd like to welcome you to a special series that we starting uh based off of self-care um mental health awareness things like that something a little new for us that we got started that we want to uh break off like to a little mini series uh it's gonna be myself and the professor here and we're gonna dive deep into a couple topics and you know explore the the mental health aspect and the self-care aspect when it comes to ourselves and african-american community and and you know all the stigmas and, you know, things that we've done, things that, you know, we could possibly suggest and, you know, just, just talk about ways to, you know, overcome some of these things. What's up, Bill Will? Satman. I tell you, it feels good to be back in the studio. (laughs) (laughs) You've been missed. I can tell you that for sure. Yeah. I've been on a little hiatus, you know, with work and business and family, you know, a lot of times it can be very, very overwhelming and, uh, we all want to avoid, especially us alpha males, the stigma of mental health. You know, um, when you have a lot going on, you sometimes neglect that. Yeah, I'm a number one. I'm the number one candidate for that. Um, you know, working a full time job, got my hands around my business, and trying to be a father and a husband. I can tell you right now that I was failing miserably. But the trouble with that is I didn't know it. Mm-hmm. You know. It took someone else seeing it. Man, it took someone else seeing it for me to realize that there was some some issues going mm-hmm. on that I wasn't aware of. Some things that I had hid in my closet because I was functioning every day. Going through the motions. Going I through mean, the motions. Suppressing. Su- man, suppressing because I made everything a priority over my own health. Because mm-hmm. mental health is health. It is. But I made everything a priority. My bills my family, my business. All the while, the people around me, some knew I was suffering, some didn't, some didn't care. Mm-hmm. And the whole time I was oblivious to it, you know? I mean, you know, we have that attitude. We have to take care of business at all costs. We have to get things done. And I mean, unfortunately, that's a self-destructive attitude because you, when you work, worry about fixing everything else right. except yourself, I mean, that's that's how we fall into these traps. I don't know about you, but the way I was raised and the people, the environment that I came from, telling someone that you have something going on or you're not okay Mm -hmm. is a sign of weakness. You know, I never saw my grandfather do it. He raised seven kids, retired from two jobs. Immediately after his second retirement, he passed away from a heart attack. Stress. Mm -hmm. You know, he, he he didn't cry in front of no one. He didn't tell anyone that, hey, I grew up in a situation where there's some PTSD there. Mm-hmm. You know, there's some trauma, there's some anxiety, but I can't tell you that because at the end of the day or the end of the week or the end of the month, the mortgages do. Mm-hmm. I got to put food on the table. Somebody's needs are more important than my own. Mm-hmm. And as black men, mm-hmm. we don't talk about this, right? Until it's too late. You know, I was doing this, I was doing this, um, this thing where you show a video of a, of it's a party, right? Yeah. And in the party, on one video, you have a man who's the life of the party, and he's laughing and smiling, you know, he's cracking jokes, whatever. And then on the other video, you have this individual who's sitting in a corner, and his face is full of agony and defeat. Now, immediately, if I was to ask you which one is suffering, you would tell me the one in the corner who's showing it mm-hmm. on the outside, right? But in essence, this one showing it on the inside. That's dangerous, right? Yeah. So... Mental health is something that, you know, I'm glad that we're able to talk about this because, you know, for all of my fans and all those who listen that I do know and that I don't know, I was suffering from mental illness. So, you know, I've been gone for a while and I haven't been able to, you know, be on the show because I had to make myself a priority. But it took but it took a situation to happen that I really didn't want to happen, that I really didn't intentionally mean to happen for me to realize that I had to get myself together. So that's where we're at with that. I mean, but at the end of the day, I mean, it was, it became self-aware. I mean, you were yeah. able to to see that instead of, you know, neglecting it or denying it. Because, you no. know, that's the first part of, you know, as they say, the first part of getting help is, you know, recognizing it. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, not getting to the point to where you're denying all the things and no. things like that. So, you know, um, it's always a good thing to 
you know, be self-aware of that right. about yourself. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, like I said, that's just the first step to try to move forward. You know, perfect example. Um, once I realized there was an issue, the, the last thing I wanted to do was deny that, right? Mm-hmm. But the first thing I needed to do was filter my environment, right? Because I wanted to get healthy. Mm-hmm. And I filtered my environment. And I know a lot of times when we struggle with mental health, the first thing we struggle with an issue, the first thing we do was we isolate, right? Yep. But the problem is, let me take that back. The, the, there was no problem. The thing is, I wasn't isolating. I was with my God, right? Because mm-hmm. I needed to really know what were my triggers and the things that were causing this mental illness is out that I wasn't aware of. Right. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't isolating or trying to, um, you know, cut people off, but I needed to be with someone I could trust. And that's Jesus Christ. Right. Someone I could talk to mm-hmm. and say, Hey, listen, I need help and I need your help and I can't do this alone. So I had to really figure out who I was and some of the triggers. Again, I repeat the triggers and some of the reasons, the root cause or causal factors that I would be in a situation and it would appear because I did not know, you know, um, you know, let me tell you a lot of situation, the situation that happened, you know, I have, we got some friends, man, who are really good stand up solid people and some people I really, truly respect, uh, have always been a good friend to me and my family. I've been in a home and I'm talking about some real solid people and, you know, we're all hanging out and everything just, have, you know, long day of work, business all day, uh, taking care of bills, you know, and, you know, I get off late and, I, you know, I joined the party a little late. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the things about me is I tend to treat people the same. It can be good, but it can be bad if you don't know your audience. Yeah. And one thing about my mental health is when I treat people the same, I literally treat people the same. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes that goes without introduction or really getting to know that person. Because my mental state is if you're in this room with me, then you accept me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because I don't do circles and I don't do squares. And I'll, I'll reiterate what that means. So if we're in the same circle, then I understand you and you understand me. Mm-hmm. But that's not always true. Right. Yeah. So, you know, I'm sitting there having a good time and partying and being me, not realizing I'm offending someone who I totally respect and never has never, ever did anything to me or my family. And the funny thing about it is, as I'm having these conversations, I'm not even realizing it. Yeah. Right? That's what's bad about it, right? Mm-hmm. So the next day, when I'm <laughs> I'm getting the information, mm-hmm. what hurts me more than anything, what made me self-actualize and realize, wait a minute, do you mean that I'm so far off course and my mental health is so uncalibrated that I can't tell if I'm offending someone or not? Mm. That broke me. Because if anyone knows my personality, you know, I'm going to tell you what I feel. But at the same time, one of the things that have allowed me to be successful in my career and my personal life is knowing my audience and knowing Mm -hmm. how to deal with the people that I interact with. And it hurt me bad. I mean, it really hurt me so bad where I had to really I had to get up and leave and go somewhere to get some mental solitude so that I could take in what I had done. Yeah. So you can reflect back. I, man, listen, introspect and reflect. So what I did was I wanted to apologize immediately. Mm-hmm. My first thing is, how do I make this right? Mm-hmm. Apology is what I owed. Whether or not that person accepted it or forgave me, I had to leave that to God. Yeah. Right. So I had to first reach out and say, hey, listen, I'm so sorry. And then that's when I realized it was time to pull back and spend some time with Christ to help me understand what it is that I was suffering from because mm-hmm. I did not know. I truly didn't know. Yeah, I mean, like you said, uh, it's, it's all about getting past that stage of denial. Because right. um, like when you start saying, well, I don't have a problem, I don't have issues, um, you know, that's when they start making themselves more- Seeping more, out. More, yeah, more prevalent. Yeah, I, I'm notorious for suppressing what I feel. Mm-hmm. You know, all week long, we're, we're hustling, all of us. Mm-hmm. We're hustling, we're paying bills, we're dealing with issues, or maybe not, right? And then at the end of the week, I'm loaded down. One more straw of hay. The cup is full. The cup is full. One little thing. It could be uh, something that's going on in society, another black man being murdered. Just putting it out there. That may have triggered. And then I go off on a rampage, right? Mm-hmm. And never having that moment to say, okay, before I go to the next task, let me 
let me get healthy. Let me make sure that my mental state is healthy. Let me tell you something, man. I grew up, um, two parents. I, w- I wasn't born out of wedlock. Both my parents loved each other. They were high school sweethearts. I'm the youngest of two siblings. Mm-hmm. And I was a very, I was an introvert. My mother didn't even think I could speak. She didn't think I could talk because I never did, right? So I had a really good life early, early, early on, you know. And then came the 80s, you mm-hmm. know. My father was a street guy. You know, he was the oldest of seven, took care of his siblings. Father was in the military, so he was a military brat. When his dad was gone, he was dad. Mm-hmm. So my dad married young, had my brother young. He's the first He's the first child. And when my mom and dad got married, you know, there's some things that he missed. Mm-hmm. And he felt consumed. His mental health was just not there. You know, he left the military, worked for uh, the city of the state he lived in, mm-hmm. and uh, he provided for us. But every Friday, you know, dad needed an outlet. Married yeah. young. He always had responsibilities, right? So when the 80s came, you know, you got a lot of sex, drugs, and alcohol. My father succumbed to that. Mm. He succumbed to that. Mm-hmm. Not because he wanted to destroy his family or his children, but his mental health led him to something that he felt would give him an avenue to purge and to mm-hmm. vent, right? Not realizing it was going to create an addiction. So my father was on drugs for a long time before we even noticed that he had an addiction. Mm-hmm. We begin to see things unravel. We begin to lose things, uh, begin to hear our parents argue. And again, I'm this quiet child and I'm listening and I'm listening. So mom and dad are going through the motions. Mom is beginning to take care of the household. She's becoming mom and dad. And mom looks for an avenue. Okay. My mother wasn't a drug. She wasn't an alcohol, but she needed some time. So she would go away, uh, you know, in the evenings on a couple of days out of the week. And that would leave me and my brother there. And I'm here to say this, that I suffered from abuse, multiple types of abuse. And even though I was being abused, I felt like what my mother and father were going through was much more important than what I was going through. So my trauma started at a young age. Mm -hmm. I was too young to understand what therapy, if I even needed therapy at the time. So as I'm getting older, I'm, I'm coming into my teenage years with this baggage that I don't know anything to do. So I go to school. I'm in high school now. My mom and dad are divorced. My mother's still going through some things. You know, she's still having a hard time separating from my father emotionally. Okay. Her father dies. Now, my brother's, my brother, he's graduated. He's in the military. It's just mom and I. So now I'm taking everything. I'm Mm -hmm. helping her emotionally. I'm there to make sure that the house is kept up. And again, those traumatic experiences that I had as a young man are not resolved. So now I'm sinking deeper into the mode of her issues are more important than my issues. Because you've kept yours bottled in. Right. So look at the look at this. So now I'm learning to 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 think in a way that, you know what? My coping mechanism is to make somebody's issues more important than mine. Because yeah. that suppresses it, that keeps me from thinking about it, right? So let's Fast forward my senior year. Now, mind you, in high school, I wasn't a dumb student at all. I had a lot of potential. My teachers loved me. My senior year, I missed 100 days out of 135. Missed 100 days. Mm. I'll be in a classroom, and all I could think about is home, and I was was distracted, Mm -hmm. right? So I I meet this young lady, and, you know, uh, if you want to find something damaged or something that needs to be salvaged, go to the junkyard. <laughs> You'll find something there for sure. You'll find a lot of things that are alike. Some mm-hmm. things can be fixed, some some things can't be. Yeah. Right? Now this young lady, she's damaged like me, and we just we 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 forge a relationship mm-hmm. based off that. And it becomes very, very unhealthy because now you have two teenagers. Yes. Both Became coming from traumatic experiences mm-hmm. who form a relationship. And now Guess what? Her issues are, your issues are more important than my issues. Mm-hmm. So instead of us being each other's therapy, I create a crutch by making her problems mm-hmm. my problems mm-hmm. and trying to help her with them, right? So when we talk about mental health, ill will, we just don't become sick or we don't become ill. You have to go back to when that was planted. And for me, it was during my father's addiction where my mother was trying to cope and she didn't know that I was being abused. She didn't know it. And I didn't tell her because her getting away and getting a breather 
I knew she was taking care of business. I knew what she was going through. But to me, in my mind, what I was enduring wasn't as, as important as what she had to go through taking care of my brother and I. Mm-hmm. But tell this is something, man. And this is something that we have to talk about. I mean, it's like you said, I mean, it goes back to, you know, when you think about it, a lot of our childhoods. You know, I mean, and you can compare and contrast all day long, you know, when it comes to certain types of childhoods, um, you know, because I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum. You know, I, I didn't have both parents, but I still faced a lot of the, uh, similar adversities when it comes to that, when it came to that. Um, and it's, it's just we don't know how, especially back then, you know, 80s and, you know, even early 90s. I mean, for black uh, black folks, I mean, it wasn't it, it was a huge stigma on, you know, trying to get help. Because, you know, when you look at it, there wasn't a lot of therapists or a, no. a lot of people that looked like us well, that understood our what we came from. But look at the stigma of how your parent, for you, single parent, my mother becoming a single parent, mm-hmm. if I say I need help. The stigma, oh, you're a bad mother because your child is suffering. Mm-hmm. I wasn't going to put that on her. I was not going to do that. But not only were the, there's a stigma of the young black man looking weak when they have issues, but then that stigma transfers to your parent mm-hmm. who now your caseworkers, now you're getting them all involved. Mm-hmm. Oh, you can't, you're not adequate. You're, you're not doing enough for your child or you've neglected them. Mm-hmm. And all they're doing is trying to take care of you. Yeah, They can't be, be six places at one time. They can't be at the dentist's office and be at work and be at school and be at home. They can't. You know, when I was researching mental health, I thought it was um, something uh, singular, meaning there was one thing that, impacted the way you interacted in your th- you can't control certain things that trigger a certain behavior yeah but in all essence man uh mental health is a lot of things yeah it's, it is. it's, it's a di- it's addiction mm-hmm. it's a d it's a d h d which is attention deficit hyperactive disorder it's anxiety it's autism it's bipolar disorder depression. it's border- borderline personality disorder depression eating disorders uh obesity Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera, right. So there are so many of us, and I'm speaking about our community. Remember, this is black in thought, not fake in thought. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm speaking about us men mm-hmm. who we suppress everything because the stigmas that still are attached are. to our culture. Mm-hmm. Right. This is real, man. I mean, now that I'm doing more research about it, I understand that some of my peers have it and don't even realize. Don't it. realize it. Because I'm an ex. Because I'm more of the extrovert. I'm an extrovert now, and I say what I feel and I say what I mean. Mm-hmm. It's easily to point at me and say, "Hey, man, there's some issues. Something wrong with you." Yeah, that's the first thing to say. Something wrong. What's wrong with you? And guess what? You know, I'm okay with that. But now that the more research I do, I realize that some of my peers have mental health issues. Mm-hmm. Right? I don't know what the causal factors are of that, but mine's is more of an outward expression. But see, right? I mean, that, but this, this still goes back to like we said. You know, that just takes it back to. They're in their denial, and they haven't been able to move past their denial to understand that. I mean, because the first thing someone says is like, you know, oh, man, I've been trying to get some help because of this. And they were like, oh, man, what's wrong with you? You crazy or something? I mean, that's, that's you know, as a community, that's one of the first things, you know, we think of. I mean, I'm even, I, I've even heard it broke down, you know, as bad as, oh, man. I mean, you know, I ain't no bitch. I ain't about to go get no therapy. I mean, like, what does that have to do with any of that? Yeah, you know, it's funny. One thing I used to be afraid of is counseling, mm-hmm. right? You want to you get counseled? Hell no. Ain't nothing wrong with me. Let me tell you, mental health is a person's condition with regard to their psychological and emotional well-being. Emotional I think my yeah. emotional? Listen, I lack in every area of emotional. You know why? Because my traumatic experience built a brick wall in my soul from a young age. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know how to access my emotions. I didn't. I didn't know how to be sensitive or gentle or even respond to a person's feelings, mm-hmm. uh, be that as it may, my spouse or my children earlier on. I had no emotional intelligence, none. Psychologically, I'm there. You know, I can reason. Yeah. I, I have common sense, right? I can have a conversation. I'm rational, but my emotional, my emotional sense is not there. It wasn't there, and that's what I'm working on definitely working on yeah um like i mean that goes for a lot because you know growing up you know as a man of course you're taught not to cry not to do any of those things like that not to show those emotions but i mean at the end of the day those emotions are needed for 
you know, for whatever's going on in that period of your life that's going on. Because, I mean, you can't tell me, like, you know, if someone passes away in my family that I'm not supposed to cry, you know. Man, I didn't even cry at my mom and dad's funeral. And you know what I was asking myself? Why? And I think I've told the story that I found my mother. She had a stroke. Mm-hmm. And I had to go through the window. And a couple of days, 20 day, 26 days later, she passed. I'm at the funeral. I'm sitting in the front looking at her. And I couldn't access whatever that thing is to purge what's in there. It was mm-hmm. like a dam had been built around my emotions. Even my father. Me and him had had a really knockout drag out uh, before, 30 days before he passed because he said I wasn't the man. And all I can remember is the fact that your addiction was a domino effect to my abuse. I didn't see his illness. I saw the effect of it, mm-hmm. right? At his funeral, man, I'm sitting there and I just couldn't access it. You know, let me, let me share something with you. You know, for me, mental health is important because now that I look at the collateral damage that has been done in my life, I realize that if I'm not healthy, then I need to be alone. Seriously. You know, I remember uh, when my kids were young, and I never forget this. My mindset was always discipline, discipline, discipline. Mm. You know why? Been there. Because my father didn't tell me he loved me mm-hmm. hardly. He didn't hug me hardly. There was no, there was no affection, ill will. And um, his father told him, taught him the same thing, right? So when my kids were growing up, I was very stern. You know, my wife would call me a tyrant. Let me tell you something, man. And I, and this is, this is all coming back to me. I remember when my daughter, I have three sons and one daughter. I remember when my daughter was young, when she was about two or three. I remember sometimes I would engage her and she would flinch. You know why? Because everything she did, every little thing she did, I would spank her for. And mm. I said, why does she flinch every time I walk past? Because my mental health said that discipline, discipline, discipline. Mm-hmm. Raising a child is relational. It's building the trust and the bond, making them feel safe in your arms. Not flinching every time I walk past them, mm-hmm. right? My sons, it was the same way. In my mind, oh yeah. When I walk in the room, they lock up. To me, that was a good thing because my father thought that his father thought that. Mm-hmm. But in essence, it created distance between me and some of my children because they didn't feel the love. I thought discipline was love. Discipline is good. Discipline is good when you know how to apply it, mm-hmm. right? Discipline is good, for example, the military, when you're being taught in mm-hmm. school, right? Discipline is good when you're talking about metal and steel holding up a bridge, mm-hmm. right? But discipline is not good when discipline divides, right? Mm-hmm. So my, some of my children felt like, you know, hey, man, I, I never felt like you really loved me. You know, every time I did something, there was no grace mm-hmm. because my mental health state was adopted from my father who adopted from his father, right? So that was that. Another thing, um, I, one of my sons, which is not with my wife, He and I went 13 years without seeing each other. The reason for it is because I didn't fight as hard as I should have. Right? Yeah. His mom and I, again, were high school. We were, uh, our bond was forged through our trauma. And with her, I shared everything that was deep and things that happened to me. Mm -hmm. And when she felt our relationship was at risk, she revealed those things that Mm -hmm. I was so ashamed of. Now, check this out. This is... This is how bad my mental health is. Now, I'm talking to you because this is something that somebody's listening and need to know this that may have went through what I'm going through or may have gone through it already. We're sitting in court, right? Now, mind you, I was abused as a child. So she tells the attorney, hey, he was abused, blah, 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 blah. So I chose, now listen to this, to protect my parents by not letting them know what happened to me Mm. rather than protecting my child. So 13 years go by, I'm destroyed inside. It's affecting the way I'm parenting my children at home mm-hmm. and interacting with my spouse. It's affecting that. I'm drinking a fifth every day, every day, liquor, every day, suppressing, mm-hmm. thinking that discipline is love. No emotional intelligence towards my spouse whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Why can't we talk about this? I'm putting myself out there, whoever's listening, all of our audience. Not to tell my business, but if this segment helps you, call us and let us know. Because this is what us black men don't talk about. We see black men being murdered and slaughtered. And the next day, we're talking about 
what type of shoes we're going to wear and where we're going for vacation. Yep. The next day. Right. The next Gucci. So as I begin to access my emotions and begin to see how it impacts the people around me, it makes me sensitive because I don't, for all these years, I've been going in this direction with this illness, not even realizing it, not really noticing that I'm causing damage to those who love me and destroying bridges that never should have been destroyed. Mm-hmm. Right. But with the grace of God, that son was uh, one of our audience members and he forgave me. Mm. He forgave me. So as we talk about mental health and uh, I don't want to keep rambling, but there's so many things I can tell you now that I realize that I have an issue. It's not going to go away. I just have to find a coping mechanism. So when it surfaces or when I'm triggered, it does not impact my quality of life. And see, it will. So, 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 so many people at, at times thinks when you hear the words uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, they think, you know, something very tragic, like a like a, a, a death, uh, you know, war, uh, military stuff. But, you know, PTSD can come from, you know, smaller things that, you know, doesn't have to be that major. So, you know, just like things that happen at home, like because I'm in the same boat, you know. It was to where, you know, there was not a lot of emotion at the house. There was barely none. I mean, I never heard my, you know, my mother tell me that she loved me. It wasn't until she was getting ready to pass away that she said that. Um, like as brothers and sisters, I mean, you know, we didn't hug and tell each other we loved each other. We were just like, all right, motherfucker. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. hanging and kicking and stuff like all that. All right, then. Yeah, yeah you yeah. know. Uh, it, it, so, and you know, as you grow up, you know, like you said, in my household, it was discipline. My mom, she was uh, the, the disciplinarian. Right. And like, you bet not, because she was on your ass like shit on grass. Right. So, <laughs> so, so look at this. Now let's talk, let's talk a little bit about how mental health can be tricky. Every job and career that I've had, I've thrived. Mm-hmm. I've thrived because of the discipline, because of the mindset, yeah. right? Because at a job, when you've given me a task, Guess what you just did? You just fed my mental illness because now I have something legitimate mm-hmm. that I can make a priority over myself. Mm-hmm. So my career is thriving, thriving. There's people who want me and call, hey, listen, we want you in our department. Hey, we want to promote you. Mm-hmm. Ain't nothing wrong with me. They love me at work. Mm-hmm. Y'all don't appreciate me at home. Oh, man. Okay, let's talk. Can we talk, Ill Will? Man. Can we talk? That was deep. Ill Will, can that we talk? Deep. I got more. That was deep. The prof- professor has more. Can we, can we talk? Can we talk? <laughs> yeah. Right? So what I'm saying is my career was that thing on the scale that made me feel and believe mm-hmm. that everything was okay with me. Professor, you're one of the best uh, leaders I've ever had. Hey, can you be my mentor? Man. man. Hold on, Ill Will. Can you be my mentor? But I got a son at home who feels I don't love him. Mm-hmm. How the hell can I mentor you? Home is number one. Yes. So mm. mental illness mm. can put your mind in such a maze that you don't know what to believe anymore. But it's that one thing that counterbalances your mental health that makes you think everything is all right. And it's not. I'm going to give you another one. Let's talk marriage. Let's talk marriage. Get it. Now, Ill Will, let me say this. And I'm as I'm saying this, I'm looking at you. You're a friend's friend. You've always been real. You've always been true. One thing that I know about you is you have dropped things that you could have done or may have been doing to do something for me. All right? Yeah. And you are a friend's friend. You're a true, the truest form of a friend. You're raw. And not in the negative content, but you're raw. Right. When you were going through your thing and we, we were talking for a couple hours on the phone. Yeah. You really wanted a solution to salvage your marriage. Mm-hmm. You wasn't talking about, hey, I'm going to go and hey, man, listen, I got to go find me a side third, six, seven, eight <laughs> piece. You really wanted to know what it took mm-hmm. to salvage what was damaged in your home. Yeah. I remember telling you. I envy you because I wish I was mature enough to look at it in the way you did. I remember that, right? Mm -hmm. Can I go a little deeper? Yeah, get it. Just a little deeper. I was, I'm a, Mm -hmm. for all of my fans out there who are listening to this, I am a podcast junkie. 
I've listened to each one of our podcasts four or five times. And I do it because I listen to some of the things that I say. I'm really trying to analyze how I communicate on this podcast. Now, let me make this clear. I don't regret anything that I've said on the podcast. Um, I don't regret uh, my approach. I do believe that I could have had a, a little better delivery on some of the things that I said. But let me talk about this. And this is a very sensitive subject. Now, brothers, don't beat me over the head for this. Okay? As I heal, there's some things I'm going to reveal. Now, I'm going to be talking about me right now. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the man code. Can we go a little deep mm-hmm. on this? Yeah. Ill will. Let me tell you what you've taught me. When you were going through your thing and you and I were having these long conversations and we were trying to, uh, to, to figure out a plan, mm-hmm. I was helping you and, and to try to figure out a plan. Now, I was in no way, shape, or form qualified to help you because you were way more mature than me. And as you were, we were talking, I was learning, okay? You are a loyal friend. And when we had those conversations, one thing I learned about you is that you're not going to aid in a bed behavior that's not productive. You will, but you probably will let me know, hey, listen, man, I ain't kind of, this ain't cool, okay? <laughs> in one of our episodes, we talked about the man code, and we talked about friendships and would you vouch for your boy? Would you lie for your boy? This, that, and the other. Mm-hmm. And I'm listening to this podcast. This is just about two weeks ago. And I'm listening to this podcast over and over and over again. And something st- pierced me in my soul. It pissed me in my soul. Now, this is another part of mental health where we suffer from. And I'm talking about me. I've suffered from this in the past. Not in my current marriage, but in my previous relationships. You are my friend. Okay? Mm -hmm. I'll be there for you anytime you need me to. But if I'm married, my obligation and my oath to her is contractual and it's biblical. Mm -hmm. Right? Ain't no nigga or any individual I will have more loyalty over than my wife. Okay, Mm -hmm. so when we talk about the man code, I'm not going to talk about who was right and who was wrong. But my stance on it as I begin to heal is this. I can't be more loyal to my partners than I am to my wife. Mm. It doesn't make sense. That's a mental illness. Okay, and I've done a lot of things publicly and privately. But whether I did them publicly or privately, they are still dishonorable Mm -hmm. because the point is I can't. Expect, listen, if I can't be loyal to my woman, how the fuck I'm going to be loyal as a friend? Yeah. I have a contract with this woman, right? Mm-hmm. Not only do I have a contract, but I told the Lord that yeah. I will yes. honor and I will mm-hmm. obey. Okay? We are so, listen, we have to do better. I want to be honorable. Okay? And whether I'm doing things wrong privately or publicly, the fact that I'm doing it privately it's probably more dishonorably honorable than doing it publicly mm-hmm. because you're being deceptive yeah. to the person that you said you would honor and obey. But your nigga, you're willing to lie for. You're willing to honor. And there is no contract. There is nothing signed downtown. Mm-hmm. I mean, unless y'all holding hands and looking up in the sky and say, God, I'm going to honor and obey my best buddy over my spouse. Our mental health is messed up. And I speak for me. Yeah. This is something that we have to talk about, right? This is something that we have to talk about because as my friend, every area of my life, my expectation of you is to help me reinforce it, mm-hmm. not to deceive it. Can I go a little deeper? Yeah, get it. If you want me to stop, I'll stop. Nah, that's what this is about. Okay. Remember, this is black and thought, not fake and thought. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm learning to rebuild my infrastructure. No one wants a life where they have to do things in the dark, mm-hmm. okay? I want to be happy with who I am and be happy with who I'm with, right? Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, I want to make sure that I'm healthy enough to be able to enjoy it to be in, to enjoy it and to make the right decision, mm-hmm. right? And live a healthy life. And, I, you know, us brothers, man, there's so many stigmas, so many, so many, and, you know, you remember in the past, I used to say slave, 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 slave. <laughs> And yeah, it's all funny and funny and funny. And and I applied at the right times, at times. Mm-hmm. But black men are slaves to their mental illness. We are. You're right. I was just about to we say are that. controlled by our mental illness. Mm-hmm. We are slaves. We're in bondage because we're mentally, because of, we're in bondage to our mental illness. And 
these last month or so, man, I've waken up and I had to ask God for forgiveness. Like, please forgive me because of the damage that I've caused, not only in my family's life, my friend's life, people, I'm not going to say friends, but in the same circle. I'm like, what the hell is wrong with me? And see, and this is one thing that we have to get over, you know, as a people, when we, when we look at it, um, um, as we've defined, you know, mental illness, it's not just, you know, you know, as far as something to where you're, you're, you're bipolar or something that you need to take meds to kind of uh, multiple personality, things like that. I mean, it's, it's something simple as anxiety, depression or something like that. We have to get over the, the, the thought of I'm defective if I am known to have a mental illness or something going wrong with me. We are not defective. Um, you're 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 getting help. Um, or you're working through it, you're using your coping mechanisms, and it's it's nothing about having anxiety or depression mm-hmm. or something else that, that makes you defective. Right. You have to get over that. Yeah. And, you know, at the end of the day, man, self-care is one thing that not only self-care, but health care, everything, I was failing at. All because my career was thriving. All because my business was thriving. Mm-hmm. And some of the things that I do now is every morning I listen to music without words, right? I have a cup of coffee and I go to the park. Most of the time, uh, I see you in passing most of the time Mm because you switch up vehicles. Uh, Once I drop my kids off, I'm at Victory Park enjoying a cup of coffee, listening to music, listening to the birds. I have to have that hour to diffuse. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, before I go to bed, I listen to music and I pray. Am I perfect? No. Do I have it all together? Nope. Mm-hmm. but I'm traveling away from living and accepting my mental illness to healing from it mm-hmm. and managing it. So, you know, it's, it's scary because man, a lot of us have it and don't even know it. Don't know it. They just, it just, you just think it's a normal part of your life because you, you haven't seen or known anything else. So you think it's normal. Oh. And, and, and again, we're all chasing, we're all chasing the dream. Everyone wants a beautiful home and, you know, you, you you want nice vehicles, you want access, uh, you want vacations. But what does all that mean when everything in your life is messed up? Mm-hmm. When you have a child who you've parented who doesn't feel loved. When you're in a relationship that's failing. It doesn't mean nothing. Because you can't, you know, vacation is not fun doing it alone. It's not. So when I really look at what's important in life, it's making sure that the ones who love you and you love know that you're healthy enough to be there for them. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's, that's hey man, that's it. And I, hey, that's my that's my story, and I'm sticking with it. I mean, you've made a lot of valid points, um, made a lot of valid things to to reflect on, right. um, because, like I said, we put so much of a stigma as black people mm-hmm. when it comes to mental illness that we, we set out the ideal of, you know, Hey, maybe there is something that I need to work on from of myself right. to get better. Um, we set those things out because it's so go, go, go. I got to take care of this. I got to take care of that. Um, putting everyone's needs above ours. A lot of times to Always. make sure the household is together yep. or whatever else is together. Um, and you know, we're taking care of everyone else's house of cards. That's right. And, you know, letting ours crumble. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you something, man. There's hard conversations that have to be had. But sometimes with your friends, you don't want to hurt them. Mm -hmm. And say, listen, man, something's wrong. You know, something's wrong. You have to do it. Especially when you care about them. Mm -hmm. I'm not here to hide your discretions and to vouch for you. That's not what I'm here for. I repeat, I'm here to help reinforce a healthy quality of life. And tell you healing. and and tell you when something's wrong. Friends have to be a beacon. They have to be a filter, mm-hmm. right? I can't be more committed to you than I am the one under God. I'm supposed mm-hmm. to be more committed. That's the biggest indicator, <laughs> or what is a contraindicator of something that is wrong. Mm-hmm. Listen, I'm for all of our fans. I'm talking about me here, and these are the things that I'm learning about me. These are the things that I'm learning that have hurt people that I love and people that have been around me and in my circle. Mm-hmm. Mental health is something that we really need to put a lot of focus on because the moment we begin to heal is the moment that we begin to change. 
you know, I don't watch TV. And if you listen to the news, you, you, you know, it's the same thing over and over, over again. Over and over. And I was thinking about this and it, it struck me. So I'm listening to the news on the radio. And then the next topic is something, hey, you know, uh, well, you know, we have this festival coming up, this, that, and the other. I'm thinking like, wait a minute, some family is suffering, whether it be the perpetrator or it's the victim. Somebody's suffering. Mm-hmm. Are we that desensitized to where we can go from one topic to the next without talking about how do we get better? How do we fix this? How do we come together? How do we show healing and love? Because at the end of the day, man, the only thing that's low on supply and high in demand is love. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, it's, it's, right. I mean, it's crazy because I mean, as as you said that, I, I think about it because I mean, you'll hear, and you know, I'm in uh, I'm I'm in a car a lot, of course. So you know, the radio's playing. You'll hear something as detrimental and drastic and dramatic as the the, the next shooting, and it's a, it's already a damn shame that I have to say the next shooting, and then two minutes later they're playing WAP on the radio. Listen, one thing's for sure. Two things for certain, taxes and death. Mm-hmm. I know that I have to meet the maker eventually, but the way I do it, I want to do it with honor. Mm-hmm. I want to do it with honor. And I, you know, for myself, I'm filtering, and I, I, think, I think I mentioned this earlier, my infrastructure has to be right because I have goals, mm-hmm. right? These goals are not about making more money. It's too easy to do. These goals are not about material. These goals are about legacy. I want to leave this earth with none of my children feeling like I didn't love them. Mm-hmm. And that we sat together and we gave each other grace and we love each other. And when you say, hey, you know what? That may have happened, but there were so many more miles down the road where we were able to enjoy and know that, hey, it's okay. Mm-hmm. So if you do it for the gram, if you do it for the car, if you do it for the house, if you do it for the broad, good for you. I do it for the legacy because family is everything. Love is everything. It's everything. So when I'm hustling and I'm going all day, I'm doing it for the love. I, I give my family more than I give myself because it makes them happy. Mm-hmm. And if that makes them happy, then I want to provide that experience. I don't need a whole lot, ill will. I don't have to have a whole lot. I'm, I'm, I'm happy with who I am, disappointed that I didn't, I, I I didn't recognize my mental illness right away. I'm very disappointed. But God forgives me, so I got I got to move on. Mm-hmm. But I want to make sure that when I leave this earth, not my friends, but my family, stand up and say, "This is who he was. This is what he represented." Of course, you want your friends to say good things about you. They're going to say because they don't see all of you most of the mm-hmm. time. But I want my family to say, "Hey, especially my children, hey, this is who he was. This is the man I want to become." And that's what I do it for, man. That's what I do it for. So when we talk about mental health and me telling you a little bit about my life and some of the things I've gone through and some of my experiences, it's because healing only starts when you accept the things that what? You can and cannot change. change. Yeah. Like I said, when when you get past the denial. I mean, like it was just so many, so many instances that, you know, it took me a while. Cause I mean, I've been on my journey of healing for a while now. I mean, the last, I mean, I, to be honest, the last six six years, um, you know, is I, I just finally got to a point to where I could ask of other people, hey, you know, what do you think I could do better? You know, I mean, and, and that, that is, is a hard question to ask someone about you. It is. That's a hard question. <laughs> <laughs> you want you want the answer, <laughs> but you're like, oh, all be, right, here we go. <laughs> be gentle. Be real gentle. You know. Yeah, be gentle with it. And I've just I've gotten to the point. You know, last last year, I mean, I I, I kind of went on a journey, and I, I asked, uh, you know, I asked a couple of people, you know, what are some of the things that I could do better? Mm-hmm. Um, and it and it and it. It's a very humbling experience. Yeah. Let, let me let me add one more thing because I, I left a person out and uh, I didn't forget. I just, you know, as we, you know, go through our little, you know, our points. Um, I was verbally abusive. Uh, not physically, but verbally abusive, which to me is probably just as bad because mm-hmm. you can break a bone, but breaking the spirit is something different. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was verbally abusive toward my spouse because all the things I had suppressed uh, choosing my parents' feelings over my child 
and letting that 13 year gap go. Um, all these unresolved issues that I had suppressed that I was medicating with alcohol. You know, I took her through hell and I said a lot of things that were hurtful and probably permanently damaging. You know, I mean, you can have a broken leg or, or a, a amputated leg and still walk, mm -hmm. but you notice that the leg is not there anymore. Mm -hmm. So I was very verbally abusive and I said a lot of mean things because I didn't like who I was. I didn't like the fact that I did choose my parents' feelings over my child mm -hmm. and I had to deal with that. And um, I'm strong enough and um, I'm honest with myself now to, to, to have this discussion about, hey, this is what I did. Because I want the next man who's like me or who's doing what I'm doing currently or has done it but doesn't know how to say I'm sorry, that, hey, man, at the end of the day, if you are serious about change, then you must confess. You got to. You must confess. So whoever's listening, you know, if my spouse is listening, I just want to say I'm sorry for everything that I said. I'm hoping that you can forgive me. But I'm sorry, and the apology is based on me owing you a debt. I never should have said none of those things. And in the times when we talked about going to counseling and I refused it because I felt that I was okay and I wasn't okay. Or because alcohol made me happy and, 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 and you know, bubbly, the fact still remains that we had those issues. Mm -hmm. And in my mind, they went away, and in your mind, they didn't. So forgive me for that. And to any friend of mine, anyone that has been close to me, you ill will, anyone that I've dealt with in my circle, anything that I might have said that you may not have told me it bothers you, please forgive me. And I'm sorry because I'm just now noticing that there was something wrong with me. And the fact is, I never dealt with any amount of issues. Instead, I put something before it. I made something else a priority. And when you care about people, your family and your friends, you don't want to say things that are disrespectful or things that are hurtful. You know, there's things that have been said to me I may have not have mentioned that have hurt me deeply because that person didn't know. Mm -hmm. Right. And if I've done that to you, to anyone that's listening, I'm asking for your forgiveness. And I want to say I'm sorry. I mean, it, it, it just I mean, it's, it's volumes, you know, an uh, right. apology. Because, right. you know, first off, you have to um, humble yourself to be able to give an apology. That's the first part of it. Um, and, you know, with that, like you said, I, I don't I don't want to be in the same boat that I was in before, you know, with my son, as far as not being able to show emotion, not being able to, you know, show him that, you know, you can receive and give emotion, you know, as father, son, you know, as men. Because, uh, you know, there's all this, this the stigma that, you know, as men, we're not supposed to, you know, show emotion or we're not supposed to you know, um, the hugs and, you know, the I love yeah, you and things it, like that. Because what you're doing is you're declining them. Uh -huh. Remember, emotion is access to the heart. Mm -hmm. And when you decline that access, you create distance. Yeah. And they can't feel like, I want to love you. Kids have more grace than anyone. Mm -hmm. But when you decline the access, then you create separation, mm -hmm. right? Because then you push them away. Kids, they know your heart. Even if you're not, they know there's, let me tell you something, you can be the worst parent in the world. And the kids. They will find something good in you, mm -hmm. right? Emotion is access to the heart. Simply that. It is. I mean, and you know, as far as, you know, on our regular series, you know, we joked about it a lot. But, you know, it's just like, I mean, uh, the same thing for me, you know, within my, my first marriage. I mean, I, there were some things that I know I could have did better. Um, like, And I, I've said it before, as you know, I mean, you know, I gave up on some things. Um, and, you know, uh, I put it out there just the same. You know, I apologize for the th some of the things that I did. I mean, that I know that was not right. And then even with, you know, the second, as we already right. talked about. Um, I, evidently, I mean, there were some things that I, I guess, you know, that I'm finding that you know, I could have improved on. And as I go through things and um, I guess, you know, to find out, may have been something lacking there as well. So, I mean, I, I mean, I can only apologize for the things that yeah. I've done. It's a, it's a process, man. It's, it's, you know, it's a, everything, you know, what I, remember we talked about legacy. Mm -hmm. What I do, what I do is for my legacy. But there's another part to that that trumps that. We're all here for an assignment. Mm -hmm. God uses those like me who are damaged and broken to impact in a positive way, in effect, in a positive way, someone else's life. Mm -hmm. Let me be their courage by speaking out about me. You know, it's funny. 
we talk about career, no matter what I've done, I've thrived in it. I've even asked you to give me your career analysis. There was times, man, I would just leave a job. Didn't even tell my wife. <laughs> because there was something missing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would be at the top of my game. It's not enough. Mm-hmm. I'm quitting. Didn't tell her. Didn't tell. Send my notice. I'm quitting. And I did that several times. Looking for something more. And she's like, I can't depend on you. Your 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 job hopping. You. I don't even know if you're still there or not. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking like, what in the world is wrong with me? Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong here. Nothing. I'm being promoted. I'm getting raises. I'm respected by my peers and my team. But in my heart, there was There's something no missing. No fulfillment. No fulfillment. And I would think, okay, maybe if I made more money, maybe if it was a different shift, maybe if I had a different supervisor or manager. And it was none of those things. Everything was me. So when I think about that, and, I, and again, you know, when we suppress things, man, we really a lot of times suppress a lot of the, the, the things we really need to sort out in our minds. But when you sit still and you open your heart and say, okay, because we, we can ask someone what we need to improve, but deep down in our heart, man, when we, when we reach out and we pray about it and we, you know, we open our hearts, you know, the Father will pour. He will pour it, you know, to where nobody got to tell you. You'll just sit there and bust out and sobbing like mm-hmm. I did, you know. When I realized the things, how I negatively impacted people's lives, family, friends, et cetera, man, I was, and I hadn't cried in years, but I couldn't stop the tears. I couldn't even talk. It was just like a river flowing out of me. Like, it was like toxic, toxin. You know how you have like a boil mm-hmm. and it hurts? And then once you bust the boil, it feels better. That's what it was like with me, it will. I couldn't even speak. I'm talking about in tears for days. And at the end, it felt good. I felt like I had been cleansed of everything that was in me that was bad. See, that's, and yeah. that's another thing that yeah. we don't, you know, understand. Yeah. You can keep shoving and right. shoving yep. and shoving and pushing and compressing and compressing right. and suppressing. But at some moment, it's going to recoil out. Man, it It's going to spring out. It did. It and, did. And, you know, and it just, and the, the, the crazy part about it is your character and your yep. person yep. will tell how that is going to come out. Whether oh, you're going to lash out against man. others. Man. <laughs> I mean. I mean yeah. Or be a jerk. Yeah. Yeah. Or <laughs> <laughs> be a jerk. You know. But I said, Father, I can't do this on my own. I can't. Mm-hmm. I need you to help me with this because I can't control this. I don't know when it's going to rear its ugly head or if I'm going to be fine. One minute. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Lord, take control. Like, cause I don't know. Mm-hmm. And I stepped back. And again, you know, I didn't isolate because I was with father. God mm-hmm. wasn't isolating. I just had to be with someone I knew that was going to give me the answer. Who knew who, who best than your father, who mm-hmm. best than the one who created you, who best. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, I just had to spend time with God and just, Lord, I need you to you know talk to me, get me back on track, mm-hmm. help me to understand. But along the way, I need to reconcile. Help me to reconcile anyone I may have hurt or offended. Mm-hmm. Give me the courage to go back and tell them that I'm not sure when or what I've done wrong, but please forgive me. Mm-hmm. I had to do that, man. Yeah. You know, mental health is a motherfucker. It boy. is. And Excuse people me. just don't understand yeah, that. It's I a mean, motherfucker, it, man. And like I said, we get, we have to get over that as a people. Yeah. I mean, we we put so many constraints on that. And you well, know, look at stigmas. the current look at the current generation, man. It's mental. It's lack of love, mental health, and engagement. Our youngsters, man, they don't know if they want to wear nail polish, wear weave, be metrosexual, pansexual, bisexual, heterosexual. They don't know. And then on top of that, they're searching for something. Suicide is oh, just—I mean, at an all-time high. Let me tell you something, man. Let me tell you something. I never forget this. I have a book. I have a journal, and um, I don't even know why I kept this journal around, but it scares me every time I read it. I wrote this journal in March of 2008. I was homeless. I was living in my car, and I would park at a gas station off of the west side. It was like a travel stop. I don't want nobody to know that I didn't have anywhere to go. Uh, my family, but. Uh, it was after it was during the recession, and I was in the military, but I was uh, I was a I was a week I was reservist, so one week in a month. Mm-hmm. So, at that time, man, the economy was bad. I couldn't find a job making ten dollars an hour. That's how bad it was. And I remember in my car, and I had like a six pack of beer or something, and I was drinking and I was writing. I had like a fifth of some the cheapest vodka you could drink in the world. Mm-hmm. 
And I remember saying, Lord, just relieve me of this agony. Like, I don't even, I don't have the courage to do it myself, but just let something happen to me so I don't have to feel this pain. Mm-hmm. And I wrote it, and I wrote the dates I wrote the time. It was in March, March of 2008. Never forget it, never forget it. And I wrote it for days and days and days. And then I remember saying that, Lord, I'm still here, I'm still breathing. If I have this, then do something with it. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna put it in your. I'm gonna put it in your hands, as if I'm challenging the Almighty God. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna put this in your hands to deliver me from this, since you are the Almighty God and you don't tempt God. But to me, I'm thinking it was a cry for help. I just didn't know how to ask. You know mm-hmm. how you want something, you just don't know how to ask just for don't it. Know how to ask. And when I look at that, 13 years later, and 13 is a lucky number in the Bible. 13 mm-hmm. is a lucky number. I can't explain to you. I'm not gonna say luck, but it's a blessed number. How it's blessed. We can talk about that in another show. But when I look at who I was then mm-hmm. and who I am now, he brought me through. Big difference. He brought me through. Mm-hmm. 13 years ago, the time that I had stopped seeing my son, he was taken away from me, to now. Mm-hmm. You know, in the end, the, the father will give the hearts of the children back to the fathers. I said, Lord, does you, everything that you do is intentional. Because if you have given me everything that I wanted, I would have never evolved as a man. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, my assignment is to help another man and help another man, help another man, help another man. And sometimes we can get blinded and we can become complacent with material things. Mm-hmm. Comfort is the enemy. People say success, right? Mm-hmm. I say to Christ. Comfort is the enemy to Christ. No one who served him were comfortable. No one. Now, there were kings. There was a hierarchy in the biblical days, mm-hmm. right? There was a hierarchy, but like David, very rich king, ruler, he had many problems, so many problems that there was things that were passed down. His daughter was raped, mm-hmm. right? Comfort is the enemy to Christ. I don't ever want to get so comfortable to where I lose sight of my assignment. Mm-hmm. I don't ever want to be so comfortable to where I can't help another man or I value something so material that man made that I'm not willing to part with it to make another person's life better. This is what I've learned, right? In addition to my mental health. Mm-hmm. I never want to be in a situation where I'm blinded and I'm overwhelmed by things to where I can't meet the assignment that God has for me. So it's all a part of mental health, buddy. It is. And with that, we just want to let you know that this is the beginning of several more shows of the series of uh, self-care. Something that we've started that is we wanted to make people aware of it because like mental health as we've been speaking is detrimental your mental health is detrimental i say that again and the way we get through that you know self-care is part of it but you know if you need to seek help outside of self make sure that you do that as well there's there is nothing that makes you weak or anything just because you decide to seek help um and with that you know i like i said just want to let you know this is the beginning to several more of the series called Self-Care Within Black and Thought. And on that, we out. DJ Pain One. You know I'm flawed, you love me? Thank you for listening to this episode, and we want you to come back for more. If you like what you heard, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. We're on all the major networks, Apple, Google, TuneIn, Spotify, and many more. Check out our social media, and please like, follow, and comment on Facebook, Black and Thought, Instagram, Black and Thought Podcast, and Twitter, Black and Thought Podcast. Please subscribe, share, and once again, thank you for listening. Oh, man.